Great to see you all here today. My name is Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here at BCBC. Uh, we're talking about a new year and a new you in that new year for the first few weeks here, and so we'll dive into that in just a second. But I had a couple things to celebrate first. A few weeks ago, um, I let you know about some of our budget needs for the end of last year, 2021, and uh, it kind of looked like we weren't going to quite hit the target. We needed $595,000 last year. That pays for everything our church is doing locally, all the ministry you see happening around here. It also is global missions budget is built into that, so the way that we try to reach out to the world. So that's all of our resources put together, um, deployed then, hopefully in strategic ways that make a difference. So we needed 595. We ended up with 627,000 last year. So that is amazing and kind of unexpected. Uh, the Lord really provided through a lot of you. So for those of you, as I've said before, yeah, we can clap. Good, good idea there. Um, for those of you who are a part of those numbers, you know who you are, obviously. Thank you for being a part of that. And uh, it's really, it just, it changes the spirit of things when we plan for the future. You know, if you run a little bit of a surplus in what you thought, you can kind of lean forward and do new things. And if you, even if, the, if there's just a little bit of deficit in things, you tends to kind of make everybody a little sad. No, we may hold back next year. So it's, it's really fun to be able to face 2022 knowing that we had a little more than we expected come in last year. So thank you for all your generosity related to that. I don't know if this is true for you, but ever since Pastor Dell is way in the back there, ever since you spoke last week about contemplation and you opened us up to Matthew 6, and we talked about the difference between praying and connecting with God in a way that's sort of all about you versus praying and connecting with God in a way that actually really connects with God. I, I was fascinated by that. I'd really never heard that passage taught that way. The more I've been able to contemplate that this week, the more I thought, wow, I'm so glad that for even just for my own personal benefit, we were able to start 2022 hearing that message from you, Dell, because that really help me reframe even how I approach God in prayer and what it means that we would have an inner life, not just an outer life. I think it's pretty easy when we're setting goals and we're thinking about where we need to end up in the future and what we need to accomplish for everything to be external. That is, how do I get the things that I need? How do I do the things that I want? How do I accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish? How do I make other people see what they're supposed to see? And all of that has its place in life, right? But if that's all your life is, your life is empty on the inside. And, and what an interesting challenge, what a, what a deep challenge for all of us to say, before we worry about all of that, who are we actually on the inside? And what is our inner, quiet, secret life actually like? Do we even have an inner, quiet, secret life? Or is it all filled up with noise and we don't even really know who we are? So that was a great challenge, and it gave me a lot to think about. I hope it gave you a lot to think about. Today, we're going to take the next step down this journey of kind of thinking through the next year of our lives and how we can best set goals and aim to accomplish what matters. So we talked about contemplation. That's who I'll become. And I feel like that's unfinished work for me to, to keep contemplating that. Uh, but today, I want to talk to you about community, and that is how we'll connect We've said it a thousand times here at BCBC that you weren't, like, God didn't design the Christian life for you to live on your own by yourself. It just doesn't work that way. Really, throughout the whole scripture, since the very first page when God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for Adam to be alone, the whole rest of the story of the Bible has been about people serving and loving and following God 
in community with one another. And as soon as you step outside of community and there's no one else in your life to encourage you, hold you accountable, walk with you, work next to you, life starts to lose its meaning and it loses its joy. So I've run into a lot of people, uh, some of them here at our church, that will kind of confide in me personally, and I know Pastor Dell, Pastor Bill, others who sort of you know, help and counsel me, we all run into this where someone will come and say, you know, I just feel like I don't have any real friends. I don't feel like I'm connected anywhere. Even though the outside looks good, and even though they're sort of attending things, there's something missing as far as connection. So we're going to talk a little bit about that connection today with the hope that not only do you recognize whether you have it or not, but how can, you, how can you either get it or increase it in 2022, okay? Now, here's one way I can think of community. There's probably multiple definitions you could use, but this actually helps me. It's really more of an indicator of community than community itself. Community is the feeling of fellowship with others. Do you have that? So you could attend things and not actually feel the fellowship of others. You could even be like in a fellowship, quote unquote, like go to a fellowship dinner or sit at a church fellowship event or something, but not actually feel fellowship with other people. So do you have fellowship, community in your life? Or are you kind of that classic case of being so busy that the most important things are crowded out, or, or that kind of, you know, the sort of the first world western problem of just your whole life is one way, communicates all TV and media and things, and there really isn't any interaction. Um, or maybe you're just kind of, for lots of different reasons, you find yourself sort of alone, walking through difficult things, dealing with your own demons inside, and you just think, I don't know that I really have any good friends. I don't know if there's anyone actually walking with me or next to me. Community is what creates that feeling for us. Community is when we do have fellowship with other people. So when we say, oh, we live in a community like, you know, Berrien Springs or Eau Claire or whatever community you're from, or maybe you say, I attend this church community, that, that we're using that word on purpose, but maybe that's one of those words that we're saying almost like we hope that's true, but it doesn't always feel true. Okay, so let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Before we get into the Bible on this, and the Bible has a ton to say, okay, so we're not going to be able to look at all of it, but I just wanted to help you frame maybe in your mind what a community feels like when it's healthy. So you could take any aspect of your life and any aspect of society, and there are little mini communities formed around it, like interests, goals, geography, relationships, beliefs, skills. So you might think, like, I'm a part of the model rocketry community. I, I'm not. I kind of wish I was. That sounds neat. But uh, maybe you're a part of the equine community. Uh, maybe you're a part of the therapeutic community or a part, of the, uh, a part of some sort of trade union or something. You say, that's where I'm a part of, like something that gives me a sense of belonging. Maybe your neighborhood is kind of unique and it actually is a community. I think that's one of those places we sort of wish neighborhoods were neighborhoods, but it's really just disconnected people living next door to each other. Um, so is maybe your neighborhood, you'd say, that's actually my community. I know those people. I, I feel fellowship with those people. 
Uh, maybe your community is based around sort of an interest that you have, like a political interest or a reading club. Or I mean, there's all you can see. You can kind of form a community around almost anything, right? Anything that knits you together for some reason. Say, so some people would say like we have. It's maybe your family is actually. You'd say that is really like we're experiencing it. That's where I feel the most fellowship is right w- with my own family. I mean, wonderful if that's true. Maybe it's your ethnic group. Say, oh yeah, I attend the Polish-American festival or whatever. That's my community. Whatever it might be, community is what gives you a feeling of fellowship with other people. So questions you could ask about any of those communities, you might, you know, if you're kind of evaluating for the new year, am I I in the right ones? Uh, Am I adding value to them? Or are they adding value back to me? What, What are these communities encouraging you to become? And each community has sort of a different focus, a different purpose. What we're interested in today is what does it mean for you and for me to be a part of the Christian community? And then as a subset of that, this church community. So what does that mean to you? To be a part of the Christian community. For some people, I think it's just an identity. Uh, like sort of a, like I agree with Christians Maybe you say, I am a Christian, and therefore I'm in the community. Well, I guess that's kind of entry level, sort of, but if you don't feel fellowship with those people, then I wouldn't say that that's really your community. That's not where you're drawing that strength from, just by agreement. There has to be more than that, right? Something I've noticed um, around the world, and so those of you who've traveled internationally, you might have felt this. I, I've been to India a few times, gone to some other places too, and something kind of wild is that anywhere you go in the world, if you run into another Christian believer, maybe you can't speak their language, their life looks totally different than your life, you have almost nothing physically or humanly in common, but as soon as you find out your fellow believers in Jesus, you, you share a sense of what? Community. And, and, it's, and you have this feeling of fellowship all of a sudden that doesn't really, I mean, there's, there's no real reason for you to have fellowship other than the, the, the unity you feel in your faith in Jesus. So here's a church in India that I visited a few years back, I think 2015. It was in Tamil Nadu, and this little building um, had just been built. So I was there with a group of other foreigners to just kind of say hello and be a part of the building dedication for this little village community. Something that's interesting about how churches in that setting develop is that they create a community where there was none for a group of people that would not have otherwise ever connected together. Now, in the U.S., where we have churches on every corner, sort of, uh, we take that for granted. We take what churches add to society for granted. But when there is no church, and then all of a sudden there is one, you find out that the church actually provides for people a unique kind of community that you don't get with your trade skill community, your professional community, your sports community. It's different. In India, the the difference is punctuated by the fact that in the rural areas of India, they practice, as a part of the Hindu faith, the caste system. Things are sort of organized by caste. And what that means is that if you caste person, you are sort of born into that lane and you have to stay in that lane. You don't get to imagine a better life for yourself or have upward mobility. Meanwhile, if you're a high caste person, you're born with extra privileges, 
you're not actually supposed to go and hang out with the low caste or help them out because in, in their way of thinking, everybody's kind of getting what they deserve and it's all a part of you know, a bigger religious structure that they have. What it means is that people could live right next door to each other and actually feel like they're not even allowed to touch each other. Now, some of the castes, the lowest of the castes, are called untouchables because if the high caste people even touch them, it makes them unclean. And so those are the people that get the worst jobs and they live in the worst housing. I mean, it's the ultimate discrimination. So here's what happens in a place that for centuries has practiced that kind of a system of stratifying people based on their caste. And a little Christian church is born in the middle of a village like that. People are worshiping together, eating together, hearing Bible teaching. All the same stuff we're doing, we're taking for granted. Only what will start to happen is the castes will start to mix which really gets the traditionalists angry in that culture because you're not supposed to do that. But the church creates a unique community that isn't based on how wealthy you are, what lineage you have, what ethnicity you are. The church community is based on your shared desire to follow Jesus. And everybody is welcome. Now, that transforms the community in a village in India and that can transform our community too. It can even transform you to start to see that your, your affiliations are all important. God can use all of those in your life, but the, the one that is the most important for your momentum forward in life, especially when it comes to your relationship with God, is your Christian community. It's your connection to brothers and sisters in the faith. It's this extended family that you get to be a part of. And not just this little subset of it at BCBC, but everyone everywhere who follows Jesus, you're connected to them. You're a part of a global community, a global movement of people who are following Jesus. So that's why uh, when you go overseas, you might have nothing in common with someone, but you could connect with them on the basis of being followers of Jesus and feel like your family with them. So I think that's fun and amazing, and, and yet sometimes what we might find overseas is so easy. Right here in our own backyard, we don't practice. So how can you engage in Christian community? To understand this, just to get some context, I want you to turn in the Bible to Acts chapter 2, and we'll read about the very first Christian community that was ever formed. Right after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, gave his followers the Holy Spirit, they go out and they start sharing the gospel. People start realizing that they want to follow Jesus too. The group of Jesus followers starts to grow and they start meeting together. And they weren't just meeting together to kind of give a thumbs up. Yep, I agree with you, you're one of us. And then they moved on with their other life. No, when they met together, they actually connected their lives together to where that's, that became their core. That became part of their identity. They were together on mission for Jesus in a really dark and difficult world. So we can read about this in Acts 2, verse 42 where it says the believers form a community. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. So this is a pretty deep community here, right? Not just we meet once a month and that's it. No, they're, they're literally sharing everything they have. Like we are, we're not just on the same team, we're actually in the same family. That's how they're operating in the first church here in Acts. It says in verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So if you were in that first church, by the way, an irony, not to critique anybody, but there's a lot of churches out there named First Something Church. I always think what's first out of what, but this is actually the first church right here. Okay, so that first church, do you think that they felt fellowship? Based on what the description is here, yes. Like when we said the community is the feeling of fellowship, yes, they had that. Um, now, did every individual in that church have that? Probably to varying degrees based on how much they engaged. Because right? it's not like it just happens to you. You have to be a part of it on purpose. Uh, but here we have an amazing example of what a fellowship of Christians is supposed to feel like. The, the shared mission is so strong. The shared belief and joy is so strong that you literally just live your life together with those people. So in our context, we might say, well, how do people accomplish that now? And there's, there's a variety of ways. You know, Large group meetings like we're doing now, smaller group meetings like you know, Bible studies and classes and small groups and homes, learning pathways you might be on, personal friendships you have, hospitality, mission activities you do together. Those are things that create a bond of fellowship. So sometimes when people are feeling disconnected, what they really need the most is just to step into one of these things in a little bit more of an intentional way so that they can create some connections with people. It might be as simple as you know, joining the worship team or helping with the youth ministry or deciding to open up your home to some neighbors or deciding to partner up with somebody and go on a foreign mission trip with them. Just ways to connect with people so that you're not living your Christian experience alone. You're actually with some other people and those become the core of your fellowship. Now, there's, there's obviously a lot we could say about that, lots of examples we could give. Um, what I want to do is give you four things that the Bible says we're supposed to do for one another in our Christian community. And, and as I give you these four, I want you to think about two things. One is, am I receiving this from the Christian community or this church community that I'm a part of? The second question is, am I supplying this to the church community, the Christian community that I'm a part of? Because all of these things go both ways. When the Bible says one another or each other, that means it's a two-way street. So as a part of a Christian community, you have a lot to receive. You also have a lot to give. And on both sides, it's, it's tons of fun. It's a huge blessing. So let's go into it. The first one is encouraging each other. And we'll look up some of these texts. There's a lot of Bible today. Uh, some of which we can actually read verse by verse and some of which we'll have to leave on the table uh, but I want you to have the whole story here about Christian community so that as you go into this next year, you know, okay, how do I set some targets so that I experience what I'm supposed to experience in this regard? Okay, so Hebrews chapter 10, 
verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What does that verse say to you? You have to have meetings together in order to experience this encouragement, this motivation, this community. If you neglect the meetings together, what will happen to you? You'll, you'll drift. You'll disconnect. And even though you might say, well, I'm still affiliated with that group, if you don't go to the meetings, you're not really a part of that group. So this would be true in any kind of community, right? You can, you can say you're a part of the whatever crazy groups are out there, the, the weaving group, but if you don't show up for the weaving lessons or the weaving activities, then eventually you'd have to say, I'm not really a part of that group. But the same thing's true with Christianity. The, the, the meetings are how we connect and build fire in one another. That's the spurring on, the motivating each other to love and to good deeds. So he says, don't, no, some people neglect this. Don't neglect getting together. Now, I don't think this is just saying don't neglect formal church. They didn't really even have formal church the way we're doing it when this was written. It's don't neglect connecting with other people. So you look at, the, the, you look at your options, man, large groups, small groups, Bible studies, personal fellowship with other people, having people over to my home, mentoring with people, any way you can connect with other believers, don't neglect that because if you disconnect, you'll be disconnected from the community that God has designed you to thrive in. This is really, really important because the, this, the step away from a healthy life often begins with a step away from the community that you're supposed to be a part of. So you say, Lord, in 2022, I want, to be, I want to be encouraged in my faith. I want to encourage other people. I have to show up. I have to make space in my life to connect with people or it won't happen. There's kind of a trend, I don't know, if, for those of you who work in office environments, um, you'd probably know well that sometimes you just hate meetings, right? Because you just think, could you not just send me an email and tell me what you want to say? Do we really have to have another meeting on the calendar? Um, and sometimes th that's probably a very true statement, right? Um, but if you canceled all the meetings, like if you overcorrected and you said, you know what, let's just not meet at all, let's just send the emails to each other, what would happen to the community of that workplace? It would shrivel up and die probably in a matter of weeks because if there's no meeting, there really isn't a community. So we say, well, if it's important at work, of course it's important here at church. We have to meet. We have to be connecting with each other so that we can give and share and receive encouragement. And here's the next piece of that, sharing with each other over in Galatians. And this is a different kind of sharing than what was referenced in Acts, okay? So we also have that going on, the sharing, you know, sort of a physical things of like if somebody is in need, man, we, we want to jump in and help, right? And I think all of us share that as a part of a Christian community. We say if we find out somebody is in trouble or somebody needs help somehow, like we want to mobilize and serve and help in every way we can. But there's a different way that we share, noted in Galatians 6, and it's another reason to show up. It's another reason to prioritize this. So look at verse 1 of that chapter. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly 
help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. So when you're a part of an authentic Christian community, you're, you're, you're going along next to people, walking with them, helping them pick up their burdens, helping them move forward. Together, we go forward. Separately, we don't make it. So if you want to make it, if you want to keep moving forward and not lose, if you, if you want that in your life, you have to be a part of a community. So again, you could kind of evaluate, well, am I receiving that? So if you did fall into some sin, if you were overcome with some huge mess in your life, would anybody know about it? Like, would people be able to help you? If you're in a community, they'll know, and they'll help you. Or the flip side, when you, when you find out that someone else is in great need, like, are you ready to stand with them, to shoulder some of that burden, to help them? That's what loving Christian communities do for each other. Hey, here's the fourth thing, growing with each other. So in Ephesians 4, which we turn to frequently here, so we won't go through it verse by verse today, but that's the, that's the text where it talks about how churches are actually supposed to be organized. And it's not really about their like format, structure. It's actually about how do you mobilize people to maximize their spiritual gifts? How do you help everybody contribute what they're supposed to contribute? So the church leaders in that text are told to equip God's people for the works of service that need to happen. And then it says, as each part of the body does its special work, things start to grow. People start to grow. And, and, and a phrase that I love in chapter 4, verse 16, is that the whole body, as it's doing this, is healthy and growing and full of love. For that to be true, we have to have community. We have to be together. Hey, and then here's the fourth thing. There's more in the Bible that we could look to, but these, this is the last one for today. Working with each other. There's really nothing that creates that bond more than sharing some sort of task with other people. That you, so it could be as simple as just helping another person out together, and you feel something about that. It might be as advanced as we're, we're going to pick up and move somewhere together so that we can do some sort of mission together. It's just when you, when you decide to work together with others, you form community with them, and, and you, you both get to add your value. So 1 Corinthians 12, it's neat to read the whole chapter because what it does is it makes the case for the idea that none of us can be alone in our faith, that each of us are in, in we're given to, by God different gifts that we can use to serve and love other people. And together, when we put all of our gifts together, we're able to make progress. If we do it alone, it just doesn't work. So he says, man, if God has given you a gift, and he has, he's given all of us one, use it so that, so that, so that together we can grow. Okay, so this is what Christian community does for us. It, it provides this context for encouragement and for working together and loving together and living a life together. That's why I think in many ways we would say, you know, Christian community is different than other sort of affiliation communities. And those are all fun, but this is, this is a little bit deeper level, would you agree? Because this is you sharing your life, not just that you agree with a certain thing or you have a certain hobby. This is your whole life gets linked in with the whole lives of other people and you actually function like a family with them. God wants you to live in a Christian community. He wants you to experience that. 
do you? Let's think of this. Heaven is a Christian community. Like, we're practicing for heaven now, so if you say, oh, I don't have time, I'm not really that interested, like, that's heaven. So, like, you kind of get on board with this train. That's where things are going, right? So, say, Lord, if I need my heart to be rearranged here, so be it. So, I, I really don't see this as an issue of, like, oh, I'm introverted or extroverted or I'm outgoing and friendly or, no, I'd really rather be alone. This applies to everyone. People will work it in different ways based on their personality, but all of us need community in our lives. None of us were designed to be a loner. So, when it comes to all of this and you following Jesus, who is encouraging, sharing, growing, and working with you? It might be someone who's sitting really close by to you in church this morning. It might be someone who doesn't attend this church. It might be some group, some subgroup of the church that you're a part of, and you say, you know, I don't feel it for everybody in the church. I don't think any of us could. I mean, there's hundreds of people here. It's not realistic to have community in a deep way with everybody, but hopefully there's a few that you'd say, yeah, those are my people. That's my core. When it really comes down to it, that's my community. So what about the person who says, I'm not sure I have that in my life? You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but I would assume there's probably some people here that would say, I, I've heard about this before. I see it in the Bible, but honestly, in my life, it doesn't happen or it hasn't been happening. There could be lots of reasons for that. Let me just give you three questions to start with and then go from there. If you say, I really don't feel fellowship with other people right now. First question is, have I made the time? Like, it's easy to identify a problem if you feel bad, but then is there, have, you, have you actually tried to solve it in the simplest way possible, which would be to show up, <laughs> to, to do some things? Um, you, you know, maybe it's more complicated than that, but maybe it's not that much more complicated than that. The next question would be, have I put in the effort? So, obviously, if it's going to be, there's receiving and there's giving, like this is, we're joining something that's not passive, you can't just sort of show up and watch and then experience rich fellowship. Uh, this is a communal effort that we do together. And really, the most important question on the screen here is, have I asked for help? Like, if you're one of the people who would say, in my heart, I do feel kind of alone. I don't actually think I have any close friends. I don't have any close Christian friends. I don't really even know if I'm experiencing community when I come here, like if, if that's you, if you have those thoughts, the number one thing to do first is to ask for help, to, to find someone who is in the community. So as, as Zach earlier in the service had the different church leaders raise their hand, you could start with those people, you could look around you and just find some other people and just say, hey, you know what, I, I need to plug in at a higher level here or with some other believers. I need to connect. And just being willing to admit that and ask for some help is a wonderful first step to finding the community that's missing in your life. What I would encourage you not to do, what I would plead with you not to do, is to quietly suffer loneliness and never say anything to anyone about it. Like, that's what this whole thing is for, is for you to plug into community. Don't miss that. So as we wrap up today, I want to give you this thought. I think Pastor Delp brought this up a couple weeks ago. Um, if you were going to take swimming lessons, how would it work 
give that four or five-year-old kid that needs the lessons a book about swimming, the mechanics of it, the physics involved, the chemical process, I guess, of whatever's happening, the energy expenditure, the right clothes to wear. Like, you could do a lot of, like, book work about swimming and literally still have no idea what to do when you get in the water. If you want to learn how to swim, what do you have to do? You have to get in the water. If you're trying to teach your little kid how to swim, what do you have to do? Eventually, you have to put them in the water. You have to deny all of your paternal and maternal instincts for protection. You have to let them take a little risk because if they don't get in the water, it's, it's all just in the mind. It's never really going to happen. A lot of things about our faith are this way, that we could talk about them in a context like this and everybody could kind of thumbs up, yeah, man, community is important. But unless we get in the water, we're not going to experience it. It's not going to really happen. So I have a way for you to dip your toe in the water today just to feel community a little bit. So here's how we'll do it. I'm going to pray in a minute and kind of conclude the presentation part of our service, but it won't be quite done. I'm going to put up on the screen three questions about community and your job is to ask someone those questions before you walk out of the room. Someone who's around you. Now this is the part where you kind of like look out of the corner about who's sitting behind you and you're like, oh no, not that person. Okay, I'm sorry if that happens to you. Um, here's the good news. Remember, no matter where you are in the world, like you do have at least one thing in common with that person. You're here trying to follow Jesus. So that's your starting place. That's all you need for at least entry-level Christian community, okay? So, so you turn to someone around you. You're going to just ask them these questions, and, and here's what this will be. Just an opportunity to start a conversation. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe literally in 30 seconds you're like, well, enough of that, and we're done, and you're out the door. I kind of hope you linger a little more than 30 seconds, um, get to know the person a little bit, um, but this is what this is for, right? Community it's not something we can just learn about and then go watch TV the rest of the day. If you want community, you have to practice community. You have to jump in the pool. Uh, so why don't we pray, and then I'll show you those questions. Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us a desire in our heart to love other people, to be with other people, to share in Christian community with them. And I pray that as evidence of that, that every person in this room, maybe not today, but maybe a little bit later this year, they could, they could say in their heart, I do feel fellowship with other people. I don't feel alone. I know I have people with me. A team, maybe even a family. Lord, we commit that to you. We know you designed us not to be loners in life but instead to walk through life with other people on our way to eventually being in community with you for eternity. So Lord, here we are at the very beginning stages of that. I pray that you would open our hearts to the encouragement we need to receive, the encouragement we need to give, 
the things that we need to share, the kind of work we could do together, would you create in us a bond of real fellowship? We pray this in Jesus' name.